This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu slash forward. Welcome to the Legislature Today. I'm Curtis Tate. In the House today, lawmakers considered increasing oversight of three new health agencies that were formerly one. They also debated whether the First Amendment protects your DNA. Randy Yowie has our report. House Bill 4595 would give LACRA, or the Legislative Oversight Commission on Health and Human Resources Accountability, more health and welfare oversight meant to create more transparency. The legislation allows investigation of situations relating to children in state custody and children in general. It gives the legislature the power to evaluate program effectiveness with the three new Health and Human Services Department branches. Vice Chair of the House Health and Human Resources Committee, Delegate Heather Tully, a Republican from Nicholas County, says the key to the bill is better protecting the state's most vulnerable population. In 2018, the day after Christmas, we had a young child named Rayleigh Browning that perished actually in Fayette County. She had been a Nicholas County resident prior to that. I had struggled with this, trying to know how to address it, because when I was appointed and subsequently elected in 2020, I still had constituents asking me questions about this child's death. When we would have DHHR before the Locker Committee, I really felt as though we got stonewalled and we did not get the information that we really needed to figure out where the major issue happened and where our failures happened that resulted in the death of this child. I think that there are major issues. Um, we have had several mandated reporters report um, injuries or concern about child abuse in relationship to that particular child. So this really is something that has come from my county. Um, and I think that this really is one way we can maybe get some more information to make real-time decisions for these children that could be in potential peril. The bill passed 96-0 and now goes to the Senate. A bill relating to DNA to be maintained for law enforcement purposes in West Virginia sparked nearly an hour of debate. House Bill 4627 would allow the collection of DNA without a court order for those arrested and charged with certain serious felonies. The lengthy debate sparked concerns over, as one delegate said, developing another tool in the state's criminal justice toolbox to possibly violating First Amendment privacy protections regarding the collection of DNA without due cause. Delegate Jonathan Pinson, a Republican from Mason County, said he understood the balance question and sided in favor of the bill. I understand the importance of protecting the constitutional rights of West Virginians. I understand that well. But something that I don't think anyone spoke about today is what about the victims of crime whose cases are still yet unanswered because we don't know where to look? However, Delegate John Williams, a Democrat from Monongalia County, voiced constitutional freedom concerns shared among other Democrats and several Republicans over this method of collecting DNA. A few headlines for you. Russia legalizes massive DNA collection without oversight. China forcibly harvesting DNA from Tibetan citizens. 
and I think about this, and oftentimes we want to look at other states and other countries and see what they're doing, what can we aspire to do. But I think in this case, when you see things like that, those ought to be warnings of what we ought not do. We have bills that we've passed that are dealing with um, not allowing TikTok on government computers because we're afraid of, of them accessing our data. Meanwhile, we want our citizens' DNA in an FBI database potentially susceptible to hacking. I think this is a no vote. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. After votes to postpone the bill indefinitely or wait three days to research and reconsider failed, the DNA bill failed by a 30 to 66 vote. For the legislature today, I'm Randy Yoey. The Senate passed a bill today that would allow dental hygienists to provide tobacco cessation education. Lawmakers said this marks an initial step in boosting awareness on the dangers of vaping and e-cigarettes. SB 357 now awaits a vote from the House of Delegates. Today was Veterans Visibility Day at the Capitol as lawmakers are considering several bills focused on veterans, active military, and their families. Randy Yoey has more. Veterans organizations from around the state filled the Capitol Rotunda as veterans' visibility to lawmakers was front and center. Leading the legislative lobby was Ted Diaz, the cabinet secretary for the West Virginia Department of Veterans Assistance. He says passage of a bill offering in-state tuition for all military veterans and their family members would benefit all of West Virginia. It would be a great attraction for veterans to move here, for one, but also it's a way of thanking our veterans. I mean, not just West Virginia veterans, but veterans that live out in Washington State, veterans that live in Florida. We want to showcase West Virginia and the educational opportunities that we offer everyone. Diaz says Governor Jim Justice has pledged $1 million to create a West Virginia Veterans Hall of Fame, and he hopes lawmakers approve the funding. We need to showcase those that have gone above and beyond with their sacrifices to our country. We need to showcase them. Other proposed legislation would provide active military, National Guard and Reserves exemption from personal state income tax on the first $5,000 earned. It would pay retired vets over 65 a $150 monthly allotment and create a veterans home loan mortgage program. For the legislature today, I'm Randy Yoey. The I-73 Highway Corridor is currently under construction in southern West Virginia. Meanwhile, legislators are looking to turn the project into an economic opportunity. Jack Walker has more. A unanimous Senate vote sent plans for a new economic commission in southern West Virginia to the House of Delegates. Bill sponsor Senator Mark Maynard said the commission would help industry leaders along the corridor optimize growth and secure federal development funds. There's federal funding out there available for this that currently the state of West Virginia doesn't get in their highway program, so hopefully we can go after some of that. By providing funding and development guidance to McDowell, Mercer, Mingo, and Wayne counties, Maynard said legislators hope to revitalize local markets. Well, just by making this road a real thing, it will solve the economic issues because it will allow you know, interstate commerce and also at the exit ramps, it will allow development of fast food restaurants and truck stops, you know, it just the, the bounds are limitless. West Virginia's portion of I-73 would connect the state to highways stretching from Michigan to Myrtle Beach. With the region open to more out-of-state travelers, lawmakers hope economic opportunities will roll in with them.
For the legislature today, I'm Jack Walker in Charleston. The House Committee on Education spent the better part of a two-hour meeting Wednesday discussing two bills. One would restrict bathroom use in schools based on sex, and another would help arm teachers. Chris Schultz has more. Bills restricting the use of school facilities by transgender students, namely bathrooms and locker rooms, have gained popularity across the country in recent years. House Bill 4806 would prohibit public school students the use of multiple occupancy restrooms or changing areas within schools for the gender that the students were not assigned at birth. Minority Chair Delegate Mike Pushkin, a Democrat from Kanawha County, pointed out early in discussion of the bill that the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, which includes West Virginia, had recently ruled against a similar bill in Virginia. Pushkin invited Interim Executive Director for the American Civil Liberties Union of West Virginia, Eli Baumwell, to discuss the court ruling's impact. But if this were to pass and sign into law with the uh, ACLU here in West Virginia, take it back to the Fourth Circuit? Well, it wouldn't be proper for me to speculate on potential uh, litigation. Uh, what I will say is, based on controlling law here um, in West Virginia, I think there's an extremely high likelihood that any challenge would uh, cause law to be both enjoined and eventually overturned again, based on recent controlling precedent. Okay. So basically you're saying you have no reason to believe they would rule differently with the same case in front of them? Uh, that's correct. I okay. do not believe so. Okay. Um, so cost the state money. Pushkin went on to question the bill's sponsor, Delegate Dave Foggin, a Republican from Wood County, about the necessity of the bill. Have you received complaints from children in your district or parents in your district uh, regarding incidents where... Students were felt uncomfortable in the bathroom or something? I didn't receive complaints uh, because I'm just a school teacher. Mm -hmm. but our administrators, uh, where I teach, received several complaints. Much of the discussion time was taken up by an amendment from Minority Vice Chair Delegate Rick Griffith, Democrat from Wayne County, to create an exception for students over the age of 18 who had transitioned and updated their birth certificate. Pushkin continued his opposition to the bill up to the final vote, calling it a solution in search of a problem. He warned the bill had the potential to harm children. And actually, West Virginia has a fairly high percentage of children who identify as, uh, as transgender. And this will harm them. They are the ones who are more likely uh, to get bullied in a public restroom. So you might think you're doing something to protect uh, kids, but I'm not hearing, uh, kids. The committee voted to recommend the bill to the House with a referral to the Committee on Judiciary. Also discussed Wednesday was the possibility of allowing teachers and administrators to carry concealed firearms in school. House Bill 4299 would designate armed staff as school protection officers, or SPOs, but only with a valid West Virginia concealed carry permit and after completing the training requirements for the Prevention Resource Officer Program. Several teachers on the committee spoke strongly in favor of the bill, including Delegate David Elliott Pritt, a Republican from Fayette County. He recounted the difficulty of going through active shooter drills with the only defense for him and his students being a door and chairs. We live in a time where evil people walk around trying to do evil things, and I'll be damned if I'm going to sit in my classroom and the only thing between me and someone that wants to kill me or my students is a door. So I'm going to vote for it. I urge you to vote for it as well. Opponents to the bill cited law enforcement opposition to such measures, given the potential confusion between an active shooter and an armed staff member. 
Delegate Anitra Hamilton, a Democrat from Monongalia County, expressed concern about bringing firearms into classrooms that have proven in recent years to be unruly and contentious. And things like that. I just don't feel that teachers or SPOs, um, whoever is trained periodically, even with a yearly evaluation or yearly training, when you are under stress and under duress, you act differently and you cannot predict that. Hamilton instead pointed to measures already being taken to enhance and improve school building security across the state. Committee Vice Chair Delegate Joe Statler, a Republican from Monongalia County, said the bill is permissive, meaning it is ultimately up to each county and school board to allow school staff to conceal carry. The committee recommended House Bill 4299 to the full chamber, also with a reference to judiciary. For the legislature today, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. In 2017, West Virginia legalized access to medical marijuana. It took a couple of years to get everything set up and the first prescriptions filled. This year, there is an active discussion among legislative leadership about the legalization of recreational marijuana. There are two reasons. Tax revenue and safety, they feel it would remove the black market for the drug. Health reporter Emily Rice sat down with Rusty Williams, a patient advocate on the West Virginia Medical Cannabis Advisory Board, and delegate Mike Pushkin to discuss the future of marijuana in West Virginia. Thanks, Curtis. Today I'm joined by Rusty Williams, a patient advocate on the West Virginia Medical Cannabis Advisory Board, and delegate Mike Pushkin to discuss marijuana in the Mountain State. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for having us on. Well, Mr. Williams, I will start out with you. Um, to help our viewers and listeners understand when we talk about medical use versus recreational use, what medical conditions are treated by cannabis? Well, that's a very good question, um, and it all depends on how you, how you look at it. Um, Dr. Steve Corns, who is one of the leading researchers, uh, he's out of Harvard, he's theorized that all cannabis use is medical, whether the user knows it or not. Um, now here, with my experience with the Medical Cannabis Act, cancer patients benefit greatly. Folks are on MS, people with things like rheumatoid arthritis, uh, seizures. There's a laundry list of, of conditions that medical cannabis is effectively treating. Yeah. And so that's, it's been legal in West Virginia since 2017 and took a couple years to be enacted. Um, so there's a couple of bills that were introduced across the aisle by Delegate Foster um, one would clarify provisions of employment for individuals using medical marijuana who would otherwise be denied employment. And the other would remove marijuana as a tested substance for employment screenings. Now, what do bills like this say about West Virginia's evolving attitude toward marijuana use, both medical and recreational? First, I think on this issue, it's, a, it's an issue that's evolving faster than, than any other issue I can think of. If you look at surrounding states, like only Kentucky, of all of our border states, only Kentucky uh, doesn't have uh, legal cannabis. Um, but I think the issues that uh, the Delegate Foster bring up in regards to employment is if one has a medical cannabis card and they're you know, using it as directed to treat a qualifying condition for medical cannabis, they shouldn't be uh, penalized uh, through, uh, through their employer. Um, it stays in the system longer. And if one is tested for it, it doesn't necessarily mean they're intoxicated. It could have been three weeks ago, it could have been a month ago that they, that they used a small amount. And yet, if you have a prescription for, a, in my opinion, a more dangerous substance, like say Oxycontin, or a very strong painkiller, um, as long as you have a prescription, you're still allowed to work, even in, in safety-sensitive jobs. So I think it's something that definitely deserves to be looked at. Okay. Yeah. 
And so you have you had patients come to you with these kind of issues with employment, even if they have a medical card? Absolutely. Um, I've spoken with quite a few patients who want to trade in their opioid uh, prescriptions for medical cannabis, but because of fear of losing their job, they've just they've not been able to participate in the medical cannabis program. And um, a few of those patients are really struggling with with opioid abuse, um, but. That's their only method of pain management that allows them to, to stay employed, so they do what they have to do. Um, I, I was encouraged to see this piece of legislation be introduced, and, and I hope we can get it across the finish line. Okay. And so what do you think changed those attitudes? Have lawmakers seen the revenue in other red states um, that other red states have made re by legalizing recreational use and changed their stance on the issue? I think over time, as more states, uh, so many of them voted uh, to either decriminalize or to or legalize uh, uh, cannabis, that what we haven't seen is a single state uh, say it was a mistake and go back. Uh, the revenues, of course, is a big part of it. I, I support it mainly for personal freedom. I just think that uh, adults over the age of 21 should be able to make that determination for themselves. I definitely do not condone it. I don't condemn it. I think that adults should be able to make that determination for themselves like we do with alcohol laws. And um, so on that vein, um, House Bill 4873 would legalize the consumption of marijuana for adults 21 and older. Um, Delegate Pushkin, you're a sponsor of this bill. Why is it important to you to legalize cannabis productions, sales, and adult consumption? Uh, exactly what I just said. I yeah. think that uh, adults should be able to make that determination for themselves. And uh, you know, we found that uh, prohibition on alcohol was, was not a uh, successful uh, public policy uh, about 100 years ago or so. It created a black market. It created a more, more dangerous products. Uh, I think that um, you know, once we you know, bring it out of the shadows, bring it out of the black market, and it, it's legal, it'd be, uh, it would be safer. Uh, people would know what they're getting and um, wouldn't have to uh, deal with, with people who are involved in, in other types of organized crime when they're trying to obtain it. Uh, I just think it's the, uh, it's the safer way to go, and it's not just me who thinks so. It's, it's you know, Ohio, it's Pennsylvania, it's Maryland, it's Virginia. Most of our surrounding states are going the same way. Most of the country's going that way. And Mr. Williams as well, have you um, had people you know, who weren't a medical patient who have consulted with you that had, you know, a bad batch that were seeking recreational marijuana and had something with something mixed in, fentanyl, xylazine. Have you run into that? I personally have not, okay. um, you know, and I have, I've talked to a lot of patients. I've not talked to anyone who has ever picked up a tainted product, okay. but the lack of quality, um, and, and you just don't know where it's coming from. Most consumers that I deal with uh, are patients, and we want our patients to have clean product. Um, unfortunately, our medical cannabis program is very restricted as far as the list of conditions that, you know, we can certify patients to access medical cannabis. So we left a lot of people out of the program who, um, who have been using medical cannabis illegally um, for a long time, and uh, they're at the mercy of, of whatever they can, whatever they're able to acquire. And I think that regulation would make it not just safer for everyone, uh, keeps it out of teenagers' hands, um, it, but it, it really will go a long way in not just expanding access to patients, but to ensure that folks are getting safe, quality product. Yeah. And so what, um, 
if this if House Bill 4873 legalizing the consumption for adults over 21 were to pass, would there be those extra, let's say, for example, edibles, gummies, or something that's not allowed in West Virginia right now? Is that something that would be in place if this bill passed? Or is that still to be determined? I think that would be determined. It would, okay. If that bill's placed on a committee uh, agenda and it's taken up and we're able to make amendments and perfect the bill, uh, that's a heavy lift with the current makeup of the legislature. There's another bill uh, that was introduced that is uh, more of a democratic bill. It's like the other states have voted on it, and this would uh, make a constitutional amendment to allow the voters to decide. And I think that one's pretty hard to argue with. It's like, let's put it in the hands of the voters and, and see where most of the people in West Virginia really are on it. So you see that coming forth during this session? Uh, unfortunately, I think with the makeup of the current legislature, I, I think, it, again, it's a pretty heavy lift. But that's our position as a member of the, the House Democratic Caucus. Our position, is, as well as many other issues, we're for letting the people decide. And so um, other than economic opportunities, what does West Virginia stand to gain from legalizing recreational marijuana? Well, I could write a book on that topic. Um, you know, if you look at why cannabis was prohibited in the first place, um, it would take you about 30 seconds to see that the roots of cannabis prohibition are deeply seated in bigoted soil. And if you look at what's happening in West Virginia, nationally, nonviolent cannabis arrests have been going down since steadily since 2014, when Colorado, um, they were the first state to, to legalize adult use. In West Virginia, for, you know, from 2010 to 2018, we have empirical data that shows that decline nationally in nonviolent cannabis arrests. In that same time in West Virginia, nonviolent cannabis offenses actually went up 49.5%. So we're moving in the wrong direction in West Virginia. And um, this would go a long way, not just in providing better access to patients and uh, you know, expanding personal freedoms, like the delegate said, but this will go a long way in righting a lot of societal wrongs that prohibition uh, is responsible for. Okay. And so, Delegate Pushkin, you've introduced two bills relating to marijuana. One, House Bill 4218. Only two? <laughs> <laughs> probably more. Probably. Um, is relating to the cultivation of medical cannabis, and yeah. the other authorizes possession and smoking of medical cannabis. From my understanding right now, vaporization is what's legal. What yeah. would these bills Well, the second one, I'll take about that one up first. That only makes sense. We allow for the, the legal sale of the flower, the cannabis buds, for those who legally have a medical cannabis card, uh, this simply said they would be able to use it any way they want to. And, and, it, and it's easier for them to really measure it out in that particular manner as far, rather than, than, than eating it. Um, the first bill, it says that medical cannabis uh, card holders could also uh, cultivate a small amount for themselves. I think we have you know, made people who can't who can't afford it for one reason or another. It's not something that's covered by their insurance. It's not covered by Medicaid. If they, if they really need this, if it's a, a cancer patient going through chemotherapy and they could use this to help increase their appetite, uh, uh, to improve quality of life issues, uh, anything like that would allow them to, uh, to cultivate a small amount for themselves. And so is this something that people have shown interest in in your line of work? Absolutely. Um, that's one of the questions I get asked most frequently by patients. Um, and I, I applaud Delegate Pushkin. He's been uh, a champion of this since long before the Medical Cannabis Act was actually passed. And here in West Virginia, um, you know, we're one of the most economically depressed states in the country. And folks are really struggling here. And, and the truth of the matter is, 
products in, in dispensaries are still pretty expensive. Um, and, and that's typical when, when a program gets implemented, it usually takes two or three years before the prices start to level out. But with interstate commerce laws and all that, patients can't go to Ohio, they can't go to Pennsylvania or Maryland to purchase their products cheaper. So a lot of folks are left out in the cold. Um, when I went to Morgantown uh, in 2021, when TrueLeave opened, they, the first dispensary opened in Morgantown, there was a gentleman outside who had his card and he was crying because he didn't have any money to go in and purchase any products. He wanted to be there. He wanted to be part of it. He was just ecstatic that the medicine he had been using for three decades successfully was finally legal, but unfortunately he couldn't afford to buy any of it. So if we allow folks to, uh, to cultivate small amounts for personal use, it's going to go a long way in patient access for folks who just don't have the financial means to, to utilize the, the dispensary system. All right. Well, I think that's about all the time we have. Thank you so much for joining me today for this discussion on marijuana in the Mountain State. Back to you, Curtis. Thank you for spending this time with us. Catch the legislature today, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. And remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting covers the session daily in our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and the Senate on the West Virginia channel. I'm Curtis Tate. For everyone here at WVPB, thanks for joining us and have a great evening. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu forward. Join West Virginia Public Broadcasting for the nightly coverage of the 2024 legislative session. From in-depth reports to floor debates, committee action, and newsmaker interviews, the legislature today brings you diverse opinions and analysis. Legislators, stakeholders, and advocates all get a seat at the table discussing Mountain State policy and politics. Weeknights at 6 on West Virginia Public Broadcasting, 